Hello, and welcome back to your ultimate playlist podcast full of choice tracks. I'm Brandon. I'm Damon. I'm Dietrich. And I'm Taj. And that's Taj, everyone. Say hello to Taj. Hello, Taj. Hi, Taj. All right. Here's one one fan. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. We uh, We love you. We love you. Welcome welcome back to the show. Uh, In case this is your first time here, just a little bit about what we do. Uh, The first part of the show, we call this Side A. This is where we have a theme, and then we pick our favorite track based on that theme, a a music track based on the theme. And then the second part, Side B, is our choice album. This is an album that was selected from the previous episode. And the whole, the, every host here listens to the album and we have a conversation about the album. So let's go ahead and drop that needle on side A. All right. So our theme this week is actually our favorite song used in a montage from a movie. Uh, just, I'm going to quickly give you a definition of montage in case you're not sure what a montage is. Montage is. The process or technique of selecting, editing, and piecing together separate sections of film to form a continuous whole. What does that mean? I don't know. But you know a montage when you've seen it. Everyone loves a good montage, right? right. Yes. Or, or, or it's also a Jamaican person that greets me when they haven't seen me in a while. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said, or it's also a Jamaican person that greets me because they haven't seen me in a while. They're like, Mon the Taj. That's a stretch, but yeah. Wow. And, uh, we're editing that out of the show, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you might get some dirty looks. <laughs> wow. But then tonight, we're all your friends, so that's all good. Okay, we're going to have to come up with a punishment for that one. I mean, damn. <laughs> Yeah, you might right. have to listen to Baby Shark for five minutes straight. Like that's, uh, man. Ah, uh, sorry, I, I couldn't help it. It was, it was there, and I had to take no, the shot. You, you actually could, and you airballed, but it's all good. I mean, we, we only lost the championship. You know, who cares? We'll be back next year. All right. If, if we had sponsors, we might have lost one of our sponsors. <laughs> For sure, it would have been a Jamaican place. <laughs> <laughs> or you're going to be on a t-shirt someday. <laughs> right. This episode was brought to you by Tony's Jamaican food, but uh, no longer. All right. <laughs> this podcast so. used to have four people, but now it has three. All because Taj had to go there. Yeah, right. Uh, Anyway, all jokes aside, um, montage. Everybody's pretty familiar with what what montages are. Um, If you're not, Google it. Watch some montages uh, on YouTube or wherever you like to watch uh, clips from movies. Um, So, yeah, that was the assignment. Picking your favorite choice track from from a montage in a movie. Your favorite song that was used. this was tough for me. Uh, I love movies. Everyone knows that by now. Or this is your first time listening. Hello. I love movies. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was tough. I mean, there were so many great songs used in montages. Um, 
I definitely went to 80s films right away because I feel like the 80s have some of the greatest songs used in montages. Um, and, you know, just after listening to them again and again and again, the one I finally decided on was actually a song used in 1984's Revenge of the Nerds. I am talking about One Foot in Front of the Other by Bone Symphony. And if you've never ho- heard of Bone Symphony, neither have I, uh, until I did some research. Um, I just knew the song from the movie. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen Revenge of the Nerds. It is definitely a staple of my childhood, my upbringing. I have continued to watch this movie throughout the years. I watched it again for this episode, uh, along with, uh, Teen Wolf, because I was, I was almost going to pick a song from Teen Wolf, but I ended up going with Revenge of the Nerds because I do feel that I've probably seen Revenge of the Nerds more than any person probably should. Um, so the, the song One Foot in Front of the Other is just this great synth pop new wave song. It's very fun, energetic. They use it over the scene where they're, they're building up their frat house. They ended up buying this really like run down home and they, it's, they use this song. You know, to, to, like, over the, the speeding up of time as they're building up the home. It's, it's very catchy. It's very fun. Uh, very energetic. The band itself, Bone Symphony, just a, a, a little, a little information I got about them. They were very short lived. They had one EP come out in 1983 called the Bone Symphony EP, and they were not around much longer after that. Um, one thing I think is interesting about the song too, if you listen to it, like the guy sounds a lot like David Bowie, the, mm. the, the singer, which really kind of makes the song even cooler, especially if you're like, we sure David Bowie didn't create this band called Bone Symphony just so he could have a song in Revenge of the Nerds. Um, anyway, great song. It's very, very catchy. It's used sublimely over the Revenge of the Nerds. Um, I even find the song actually kind of inspirational. You know, you got to get one foot in front of the other if you want to get some stuff done. Uh, and that's what the Revenge of the Nerds did. Well, the nerds did in that scene and the rest of the film. The movie is definitely very problematic these days, but I still enjoy it for what it is. Uh, so that's my choice. How do you guys feel? Man, this took me back. This took me back. This is This is what nostalgia is all about. Um, I first heard the track. I didn't realize how bass heavy it was. Um, from from the uh the actual techno hits that came in, I was like, oh damn, that kind of hit. Especially when you know you got headphones on and everything was going in. So, um, yeah, like you said, it was a a very motivational track, especially for that period in the movie. When they were trying to put everything together and, and, and actually get themselves looking like some kind of fraternity or some kind of home that they can live in rather than the gymnasium sleeping on cots and being hit with basketballs and all types of shit. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man, uh, shout out to Wormser. That was my favorite character too, by the way. Just wanted <laughs> to put that out there. But yeah, uh, very, very nostalgic, very, very, very eighties driven 
but um, it's something that you could put on now and somebody would probably bow their head to it because it definitely had a good feel to it. And it carried out well uh, through the scene when they were putting everything together. So um, kudos to you. That was, that was a good track. I'm not mad. Nice. So uh, I like the song, too. It was a good song. I've never heard it before. Um, so wait, uh, have you not seen Revenge of the Nerds? Never seen Revenge of the Nerds. (laughs) Why? What? That's interesting. Okay. I've ski school twice, but I've never seen Revenge of the Nerds. (laughs) I don't think I've seen ski school. Flaggo, wait, come out. Flaggo, the damn play. You telling me that you're comparing ski school to Revenge of the Nerds? I, you I've need to watch Revenge of the Nerds, man. Five times? Does that count <laughs> in comparison? You've seen what? Animal House at least five or six times? Bro. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, They're very, the very different movies. It's not the okay. same. You're talking the similar era when it was made, but... Gotcha. You know? <laughs> well, a very similar style of like filming and all that. But, yeah, there's big difference. So, that's, that's interesting, though. Like, you're coming from... A place where you've never seen a film. You're only basing your taste and your your opinion of the song, right? Based <laughs> just on the song itself, right? Yeah, okay. I did watch the the scene, uh, the 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 scene clip of it. So I was like, okay, this is an interesting. You know, it is a, a, an actual montage cleaning up the house, wondering what the robots doing there. But I was like, okay, it's <laughs> you got to see the movie, man. <laughs> Uh, I'll say this, Taj. Animal House is about misfits. This this movie is made for you, bro. <laughs> this this was specifically made for you to watch it. You, you are have definitely to watch this. You are definitely a Lewis, Taj. <laughs> All day. I was gonna All say day. Might fit a character in that movie. I, I would halfway say booger, but I'm gonna leave that alone. You were definitely, <laughs> but dude, you have to watch this movie. You, 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 why you have to watch this movie? I got you. Okay, but you like the song too. Yeah, I did like the song too. Yeah. Okay. Song- okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's more of that awesomeness in the rest of the film. All those okay. songs and and that montage, yeah. Okay. Especially the carnival. That was that was like one of the best parts. Oh yeah. Um, when they came together. I'm not gonna yeah. tell you the movie because somebody hadn't seen it. <laughs> um, shocker! Like, mind blown. Like you you TKO'd me, bro. Like for real with that one. Uh, okay. Sorry, uh, Damon. Yeah. You were you were saying something more, Taj? You were finishing up on what you liked about the song. Oh yeah, no. I, I was got, I was done. But yeah, that I get the song is inspirational. That for sure. It, one thing that I I think is interesting is like montages like visually need to have something that kind of repeats. And the song itself it has that auditorially uh, where you know there's something that repeats on it, and you could see that song being used in any form of montage. Like you can, it, it's a song that on its own. Like, hey, yeah, I, I would want to use this song in the montage. So, and that's what I liked about it. So nice. Yeah. Damon, your thoughts? Yeah. So, oh man, Revenge of the Nerds. When I was growing up, my dad had like a lot of, he used to like a lot of those movies. So I was always subjected to like just stuff that I should like Porky's, Revenge of the Nerds, 
you know, all that, all that stuff from the eighties was like, maybe, maybe I fit in this group. Maybe I don't like, I I'm, I'm probably a cross between the character that was like booger. Was it booger? Was his name booger? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and you know, I think it was like, uh, I don't know. Gil- Gilbert or whatever yep. his name was. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'd probably fit into that two the two categories, but yeah, no, that's uh that song is the epitome of like an eighties montage. Like you got to get it done guys. Like er- everything's coming together. Now we thought we were going to fail, you know, everything's going to crumble. And then all of a sudden something happens, something goes your way. You know, you just won the lottery of good luck, whatever. And yeah, that's, that's that. Now watching the scene, going back to the scene and then hearing the music too, it was like, it took me back and it was just like, wow, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but I did enjoy it a lot. And I, I, I just think that music in general, the eighties music, eighties montage music is like, that's where it's at. It puts me in a good mood. I don't know why. It's like, if there's something shitty going on, just, just watch an eighties montage scene and you're good. But that's like you were saying, I think that like you were saying it kind of like, it's like a feel good moment, a feel good song. It really is. And I don't know if it was because the 80s were so, people were so blind to things in the 80s, or they just didn't want to, they wanted to forget the 70s. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of that in the 80s. Like a feel good, the feel good moments, you know, these like, just like ridiculous montage scenes. But yeah, that was, that was fun, man. Nice. Man. Good pick. My character would be either. I, I know for a fact I'm gonna be a lambda, lambda, lambda. That's bringing them into a chapter. So probably uh, the president that was bringing them in, or I'll be ogre all, all the way. <laughs> I would have been friends with you. I would have been <laughs> with an ogre for sure. Yeah, that would have been it. All right. <sighs> I think I'm a blend of uh, Gilbert, Lewis, and Booger. Probably. <laughs> nice. Very nice. That works. Anyway, all right. Uh, well, let's go to Damon. What you got? All right. So I I went back and forth with montage scenes, and I didn't want to make this about the scene. It's not about the montage. It's about the song, right? Um, it's about the song that makes the montage and gives you that good feeling of whatever. Maybe it's a bad feeling. I don't know. Um, my pick might be a mixture of good and bad. It's also a cover, which I didn't really want to go there. I like to try to stick to two songs from bands that I've seen live. And I did have a couple things in mind, but they didn't quite turn out as montages. But there are lots of good 80s movies, and that's where I go with montage in my mind. There's just lots of different scenes where montages work, but the music the music goes really well. So this is a song by a fella named Richard Cheese. He did a cover of Disturbs, Down With a Sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down. And this is from a movie that's a re... It's also a remake. So it's like, (laughs) I'm going with a remade movie. And I'm also going with a cover. So, yeah, I'm a poser, I guess, today. But this is uh, Dawn of the Dead, the remake Dawn of the Dead, 2004. Um, it's probably what it, I, I, okay, so I don't know if there's any fans out there that like horror movies. I know that Brandon is a huge horror fan. I live with a horror fan. My wife is like just crazy about all that stuff. I, I like that stuff too. Um, 
I'm on. Maybe not like my expertise or my my knowledge on that stuff isn't really high, but I'm around it a lot. Uh, and I I really like the scene, the montage scene. It's like it's it's it kind of like just puts it all in perspective in this movie. So picture this: like Dawn of the Dead, they're stuck in a mall, right? That's that's the pretty much like where they're at. And I met George Romero actually at, at something called Romero Fest years ago, and it was really fun. I got him to sign my original Dawn of the Dead VHS, which was great. So I'm a fan of the original movie. I'm also a fan of Disturbed. Um, that's kind of where where I'm going with this too. I think Richard Cheese just did a really good lounge, scener, loungy kind of sound version of the song. So it's just basically everybody trying to survive in the mall. They're all doing some pretty crazy shit. Um, you know, if you're under 17, then you might have your parents' permission first to watch that. But uh, yeah, so that's 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 kind of uh, it's kind of not 80s, but it is a little bit. I think there's a little bit of an 80s vibe because the original movie is an 80s movie. Am I am I right about that, Brandon? The I'm sorry, say it again. The original Donna Dead is from the 80s, right? No, it's not. It's from 1978. Ah, uh, okay. You're as bored. Um, close, close to it. Okay. It does have, yeah. It does, George Romero's earlier stuff is very seventies. Yeah. more into the eighties, but, um, yeah. So I was just curious to, I was curious to know what you all thought about it. What you thought of the cover of the loungy version of a, uh, disturbed song and just kind of how it, how it fits in this movie. What you thought of, what do you thought of the montage and, I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on in that. So, <laughs> so I, I will, I'll say off the bat, like I, I remember the remake. I haven't seen the remake in ages. Um, I was definitely one of those that I was opposed to the idea, the concept, the blasphemy of remaking Dawn of the Dead. You know, like how dare you? Because Dawn of the Dead to me is one of the greatest zombie movies ever made. I think it's Ro- Romero's best zombie film, even more so than I Living Dead. Um, but the remake actually surprised me in so many ways. Like, I really actually enjoy that movie. And, uh, yeah, which is surprising because I'm not a big fan of the director these days, but I did enjoy his remake of Dawn of the Dead. And definitely after you brought that up earlier, saying, like, I picked a cover of a remake, like, oh, man, yeah, you're right. You picked a cover for a remake movie. That's your choice. But, right. um, yeah, anyway, I went there. I went yeah. there. And I, you know, I haven't seen the movie in ages. So when you, when you brought it up and I watched the clip and I'm like, Oh yeah, that was actually a pretty good movie. Uh, that was a good scene. I, I really enjoy the scene. I, um, it's, it's fun. It's entertaining. You get a good feel for all the characters in that, those couple minutes, uh, which I think is very important in the montage. Like you, you can create, you can characterize your, 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 uh, well, characters <laughs> in the span of a couple minutes, and I think it did it very well. The song itself, I, I, I've heard the disturbed version. I can't tell you right. how long it's been since I've heard it. Um, but I definitely remember, I remember at least what it sounded like. And the cover, I love taking songs and, and, uh, revamping it into a different sound. I think that's fun. And, and I like the dichotomy of the song the cover version to all this horrible shit going on in the world. I, I love it. I think that's fun. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like it's such a, a lounge song being played over the end of the world is very funny to me. 
And that works uh, really well, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, it's that twisted sense of humor, and I, I, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, I think the cover, I think the cover is great. I think the cover works by itself. I think it's just a fun song. Like, you know, it's not yeah. gonna, it's not gonna change my world, but it's fun to listen to. And um, yeah, playing that over scenes of, of you know, a, an apocalypse is uh, very amusing to me, and it works very well. Right. It's like, it's like, this is where you go in your head when things are just going to be, they're totally foobard. I mean, there's nowhere else to turn. What do you well, do? Yeah. Just, you know? Yeah. And I think it's great having a lounge song played over these survivors trying to enjoy their life, even though they know it's pretty much over. Right. Right. And that's, and that's, that's why I, I think that's why I, I really like that stuck out to me. It was like, this does not fit at all, but it works really well. It's eerie. Right. But it's also, yeah, it's funny, like you said, and it's, you know, it yeah. just makes it fun. If, it adds if, to it. If you played the original version over that scene, it wouldn't work. But the cover version works. They're, they're right. They're two totally different songs. I mean, I, I think that Disturbed has, in their own right, they're just like one, to me, they're like one of the best 2000s, like metal bands. And I mean, I, now, for what they, for what they do. And they, they do have a lot of different, you know, styles in the 2000s, of course. I'm a, I'm a fan of metal, I'm a big fan of metal, but, um, with this, it's a better song than Disturbs. And I think it, like you said, it does fit the movie better, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, my opinion too. Well, awesome, man. Ah, I third that situation. That. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it definitely turns it into a whole different type of song. Um, I think the chords that are used on this one, those similar to, you know, what Disturb came out with, um, actually play well with, uh, with the actual movie itself and, and with everything going on at, at hand. Um, first and foremost, I love the remake of Don Under Dead. Um, a reason why I loved it is because they, they kept it in a, a neutral zone. They didn't want to flip it all the way up to where it was, you know, its own little monster and then some, but, but they also didn't want to keep with the same rigor and roll when it came to zombies. Like, like that's what opened my eyes up. Like, Oh shit, they're running. Wait, they're climbing. Wait, they can come after me. Wait, they can get me. Wait, no, I'm in this room. Wait, they can break through the room. Wait, they're faster than me. That's no good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's literally yeah. what was going through my head in the first 10 minutes of watching the movie. It was like, Oh my okay, God. Like, damn. This is freaking me out. Now I have to rethink my whole strategy from getting away from zombies because if any of them turn out like this, it's, it's right. going down. Um, but yeah, that definitely that, like you said, that lounge singer, two in the morning, um, cigarette on the piano type feel that they came through with the song that was being played. It was like for a second I had to sit there and listen to it. Like, hold on. Is this what I think this is? And then when I actually connected the two, it was like, oh, damn, that's kind of crazy. Because all I can hear on the track is, oh, and, and jump into that kind of kind of stuff. But then this one came out, and it was like it totally switched up my mindset. Well, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's definitely interesting pick. I will say that. I, I will say, so this is just off memory, um, but I believe at the end they play Disturbed, the real song. They're on the, they're basically the scene where they, yeah, they're going to the other island and yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you hear both versions in different ways, and it, it's very, 
it's applied very well at the end of the movie. But the yeah, that whole loungy vibe is like it's kind of like the Titanic's going down, you know? Yeah, like, it's the same feel with the violinist on the on the you know he's on the deck and they're just like you know what fuck it, <laughs> I don't care anymore. I'm just gonna be happy and see what happens. Doing what I love and drown in the ocean. And yeah. Yeah, not bad. Okay, Thomas, what you got, man? What, what well, so it, so for it, the movie itself was. I mean, because I think it, I, when I was younger, I didn't watch a lot of horror movies. I think I watched like older, older, older horror movies with Brandon. Um, but this was one of the first more contemporary horror movies that I saw. I think on my own, like because I was working at the movie theater at the time, and so this is one of those like like it stood out as a as an a horror movie that I actually watched. Um, so I had seen it before. Um, the song itself is an excellent pick. I mean, that, that is a good montage. What I find, uh, that I like about the song is that guy is committed to every word. Like it, it doesn't matter if it's a curse word or just a regular word. He is committed to it. Like he, he, he it's, it's full out. And it's funny cause, uh, if the uh the lyrics they're printed on Spotify for it um have uh you know the certain words they commit to in all capital case letters and you're like you, right. know, you can tell this guy is committed to saying the word fuck, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> he's committed to saying the word sick, you know? And so and it um, applies very well in this montage. Yeah, yeah, it does for sure. And and so yeah, th- I think it, it was an excellent pick, especially for a cover, because it's a it's a cover that you know, even kind of, you know, has that that sound that you were talking about, Dietrich, in there because there's a part where it breaks down, and then he does a jazzy version of it. <laughs> you're like, this guy is like he. It, it felt like a shtick, but he was committed to it one hundred one hundred percent, and you're like, it works. <laughs> so, but yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm. 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 Uh, I was glad to share that with y'all. I knew. I know that Brandon had seen it. Um, and I wasn't sure if uh, you had seen a Dietrich, but uh, yeah, Taj, that's definitely like one of my favorite horror movies. Um, I was a big fan of George Romero. And yeah, no, I, I think that Richard Cheese also has Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine. So I, I think that there's a lot of fun stuff out there from Richard Cheese. Uh, I think uh, it was a nice break from, you know, a traditional song, I guess, you know. Although I will admit now, every time I think of the movie, uh, yeah. the, the dead, I always think of forty-year-old version <laughs> where the guy has it, has it playing on the TVs in the background when he's not supposed to. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Like, he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, and that'll All be right. for another episode. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get this montage moving. Uh, montage Taj. Yes. What's your choice? What's my choice? Okay. Um, <laughs> so well, should we just call you? Should we just call him Montage for the rest of the? <laughs> oh my god! No, because that actually legitimizes his joke. I can't do that. <laughs> montage, Montage. What you got? Come on, Taj. <laughs> Come on, Taj. That works. That's, that, you are stuck. 
<laughs> I got the t-shirts being printed right now, I guess. At the very end, you better say, I'm Montage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's that's you, bro. That's you. Oh, my God. All right. So um, I picked a song that is definitely for sure off of an 80s mo- movie. Um, now, this movie I had seen uh, multiple times. Um, so as a kid, you know, it, you know, we would watch, you know, Hunt for Red October, Top Gun, you know, you know, I saw Space Camp a couple times. Um, <laughs> so this was Iron Eagle is the, the movie that I picked the song off of. So if you haven't seen Iron Eagle, I mean, most people have, but like, it's the teenage version of Top Gun, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like teenagers <laughs> trying to be Top Gun. With uh, Louis Gossett Jr. <laughs> as uh, as uh, Choppy, <laughs> so um, and it's it's also I kind of attribute it to the reason why, as a kid, when I grew up older, that like I felt like I always had to do homework while listening to music because mm-hmm. this guy was like he was no good unless he was playing some tunes. <laughs> well, he was you know fighting in the air in a, in a jet fighter, <laughs> so. Um, the song that I pick um, is actually Queen's One Vision. One goal. One mission. One heart. One- now, um, this plays early on in the movie, so this is when he's in the flight simula- simulator, and um, he's just uh, practicing uh, shooting down enemies, and so it's a, it's a kind of a quick montage. Cause, and it's just hit, showing him bop into the tunes, shooting down targets, and then it resets and there's more targets. And then he finally gets shot down and he, he meets, uh, Choppy, uh, for, for the, for the first time. Uh, and so it's the, the other reason why I kind of picked this, this is actually the first Queen song that I ever listened to because I owned the Iron Eagle cassette tape. And so, I didn't really go back and listen to Queen till years later when I bought them on CD, when I bought the Red Album and, and heard their older stuff. The other interesting thing is like, um, One Vision, I'm kind of going into the, the history of One Vision. So, um, it was a song that was kind of created, uh, by all the, all the band members, um, after, uh, Live Aid. So they all, uh, normally they didn't take writing credits, but they all put writing credits on this song. And so it was kind of created then. There are some, uh, thoughts that, you know, it has, uh, something to do with Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream. I mean, there's some inspiration there, at least, uh, for the, the song. Um, for me, um, you know, having listened to the Grace Hits, the two Grace Hits albums of, uh, of Queen, this is for her, like, the, the, the Pimmy transitional song between their old stuff and their new stuff. <laughs> like, you know, this is the song right before, I mean, right after their old stuff, but leading into, you know, under pressure and, you know, who wants to live forever <laughs> type of thing. That's kind of where I place this song. So, um, but yeah, so, um, and then the other last thing is just the, 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 uh, that the last line in one vision is fried chicken. So everybody remembers this song for the last two words being fried chicken. Um, and it was kind of a, kind of a joke, kind of a, they didn't know what to put there. So they had put, printed that it was one vision, but they actually do say fried chicken. So, but all right. I'm done. All right. 
Okay. So I, I just, I want to chime in really quick. Um, I really enjoy the song. I've always been a fan of the song. Right. You know, I, I never even really knew probably for the longest time that One Vision was in the Iron Eagle soundtrack until probably, you know, reading like the, the, the notes on the CD for Greatest Hits one and two. I'm like, Oh, really? That song's an Iron Eagle? Um, I grew up watching Iron Eagle and, uh, I don't know why. Um, you know, it's kind of like I also watched GoBots instead of Transformers, but, uh, you so, <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I know. Because my parents couldn't afford Transformers, so we got GoBots instead. I couldn't um, afford anything, but I had Transformers. I was like, I have to have it. So anyway, um, yeah, so song I've always been a fan of. I think the song is a great choice. Um, I did not recall the montage or much of Iron Eagle, for that matter, because I had not seen it since I was probably, you know, maybe in junior high. Um, it was one of those that I think we recorded it onto a VHS from HBO. So, you know, we used to watch it over and over again. And after watching the montage on YouTube, I question my, uh, my, my taste back then because that montage is awful. It is horrible. It is barely a montage. It is a montage, but it is, it is an awful montage. And then I'm like, man, this is like, this is like the Roger Corman produced version of Top Gun, you know? Oh, so, <laughs> not, not, nothing against Roger Corman. I love Roger Corman, but you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? Like, like the, the B movie version of Top Gun for sure. Like we can't get Tom Cruise, but we're going to get, oh, we can't get that guy either. Um, can you find any like schlub off the street? <laughs> you know? So, um, no, no, I, I, I do feel like I need to revisit Iron Man or Iron Eagle, and I, there's like four of them, isn't there? Yeah, well, and the, the the if I remember correctly, the the main the main kid in the first one, I think they like kill him off in like the first ten minutes of the second one. So you're like, you only- know what that you know what that means? He wanted more money. So. <laughs> sure, is it Jason Gedrick that you're talking about, the actor? Yeah, I, I think so. That was with Lewis Gossip Jr., like the the yeah. the uh, the main pilot or whatever. Okay. So anyway, I, I just want to say, great song. I've always enjoyed it. I think it's fun. It's very entertaining. You know, um, when it, I I actually used that song in a in a film, like a a stupid movie I made in high school. I put that song in there at the very end. The movie is not worth watching, but the 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 song, man. Me and the, the music guy who did Iron Eagle, we were like in sync. So, you know, they should have hired me to like, if they make Iron Eagle five, I should be the music supervisor. Um, anyway, great song, horrible montage, but great song. It, so I do want to add one thing. Um, is it, I would have, if we hadn't already picked the song, I would have used the song we're not going to take it anymore because that's used for another montage in that movie. <laughs> and oh, nice. It's where all the kids are uh, collecting data from their parents that work at different branches on the base, <laughs> and so it, it's a it's a totally classic montage. But but Dietrich had already taken that song, and we've already used it on the podcast. So dang it! Wow, <laughs> blame blame Dietrich for your horrible montage. <sighs> <laughs> Man, I expected more. Your name's Montage. <laughs> right. <that's true. laughs> 
That's true. <laughs> but good song. Good song. All right. So yeah, it's it's like this is how bad technology was. We just want to remind you in this little montage how shitty our graphics were and uh, how we kind of look like war games. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's what I got out of this anyway. I don't know. I, I like the Scott. He was really good. Yeah, I like uh, the point that you said earlier. Like he was nothing without turning on his music. <laughs> like, <laughs> he could have easily got blown out of the air unless he put on some some heavy metal or some journey or something. And all of a sudden, he's going and killing all the bogeys. Sounds that was great. Yeah, exactly. That was great. Um, great song, great pick, great movie. Still shocked as hell that you saw this movie in Space Camp. I don't even know what the hell Space Camp is. Oh, man, Space Camp is great. It has a young Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, so I guess I'm missing out on that one, so I need to get that up. Okay, so and I need to get up on, on what? And Kate Capshaw, who's uh, Steven Spielberg's wife. She's from nice. Temple of Doom. She's in it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Meanwhile, Taj, you're going to check out Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a good pick. No issues. So both of those movies are kids wanting to save their parents, but no other adult will help them because their parents aren't worth saving. But the kids are like, well, I can do it. So, <laughs> and that's basically it. it do, the one thing I will say for Iron Eagle, where it kind of goes off the rails, is like, so this whole thing is... When like, it first started... Yeah. <laughs> other than the intro of the whole damn movie. Yeah. Yeah. You mean like the previews? Is that okay? <laughs> During the credits, the, the montage credits? itself, or okay. When, when no, is this concept that like, he, yes, he can fly, he can fight planes. All right, I'm I'm willing to suspension of disbelief for that, right? Yeah, in like but, Atari version video games. Right. Yeah, I mean. Starfighter was kind of the same way. It's like, you know, don't you no, talk, no, <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't go there, bro. But, but it's the concept that you can learn skills by doing other things. You can learn. No, sir. <laughs> no, no, sir. That, that, that okay. was a whole different storyline within itself. We're talking about giving a kid a multi-million dollar plane out of nowhere and letting them do shit and they'd be mad when he actually goes and does that shit. That's, that's crazy. That is, that is straight up ludicrous. I'm surprised the project got greenlit to begin with. And then you come back with a couple of others where they're teaming up with the Russians and it's like, really? What the hell? Where it's like, how did, what kind of military are we running here? What the hell is really going on? Oh, that's always a question. When the, no, the the part that no. So what I want to get to is so this whole plan hinges on he he's a good, fly, uh, you know, pilot, but he has to rescue his dad, right? So he lays down like a napalm strike of flames, lands the plane, gets out of the plane, rescues his dad from the prison, and then they get back in the plane. Like that whole part. Once he leaves the plane, he should be dead. Like he's when, not trained for it. <laughs> when is the last time you watched Iron Eagle anyway? Uh, years. Damn, How do yeah. you remember it that well? <laughs> oh, I was like, none of this is. I don't remember enough. any of this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was over 30 years ago for me. <laughs> is that that well, old? It's got to be right. Yeah, it came out in '86. Yeah. Oh fuck. Because I was. <laughs> they have like 11 different clips on YouTube, so I was trying to find 
like I said, I, I wanted to find the clip where it was the kids collecting the information, and I couldn't remember which song it was. And then, and so then I was like looking through the other clips, and then it, it has that last clip where him and the dad are running to, back to the plane because there's the flames, but they're trying. The enemies are trying to drive through it, and then they send this big armored truck. He's like, "Can I shoot a missile while we're on the ground?" And the dad's like, "I don't know. All right, let's try it." And he shoots a missile off the plane while it's on the ground in order to hit this truck, and then they do a U-turn and fly off. You're like, "What the heck?" So anyway. <laughs> I um, would Damon. say, was Freddie Mercury just like, fuck it, I, you know, I'm just going to sing about, like, how much I love fried chicken. Gimme, 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 gimme fried chicken. Like. No, it, it, it was just a, it was kind of, supposedly it wasn't even Freddie Mercury, it was, uh, who did the line? Because it was. Oh, it's one of the other guys in the band? Yeah, Jim <laughs> uh, suggested the, the line. The fried chicken? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, where, where, I don't know where this went wrong. I mean, so the, but at the time it was awesome, right? Iron Eagle was like, yeah, <laughs> the badass shit. It was like Transformers of today. But uh, I think that you have like George Clinton on this and Dio. I mean, there's some crazy bands in this soundtrack here. Right. But I'm a, I'm a fan of Queen, but I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I like the song. I like the band. And it's funny for the movie, for sure. <laughs> Give me for right. So, um, yeah, I just looked up that lead actor. I didn't realize, like, yeah, he's still acting. I, he was, he was like one of the villains in Bosch, the TV show. I didn't even dawn on me that was him. So kudos <laughs> to him. He's had longevity in Hollywood. Thank you, Iron Eagle. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Contribution to the world. <laughs> yeah, Iron yeah. Eagle was uh, Queen's start. That's how they got big. Yeah. 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 They're saying about fried chicken. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've had enough be- enough to say about Iron Eagle. Uh, Diedrich, <laughs> why don't you uh, bring us on home with your montage choice track? So I think my montage choice track is one of the top five montages of all time. Um, mainly because of the song that was written and, and produced and, and put into the movie for it. Um, reason being is because this came from a 1983 movie that was, uh, started off as a success story. It's, uh, how a kid from the middle of, uh, well, how the kid from the middle of the, the, the mud, the crumbs, the, the, the ghetto, the, the, the all the way to the bottom. Um, worked his way up as an immigrant to the United States, worked his way up to becoming one of the biggest drug kingpins of all time. Um, and this, this part is the good part of the story when everything is on the up and up and, and nothing can stop us and, and it's all going business and everything is, is on the table and gobs of money are getting taken to the bank at one time in a, in a band and, and, um, you see businesses that are bought um been put together overnight and and you see a wedding and you see the owner of a tiger instead of going off on a honeymoon you're sitting there looking at the tiger being fed and and uh it, it just brought in all the good things that you want to be as a potential drug dealer growing up in the game and um it was written by uh paul engelman and for those who don't know i'm talking about 1983's movie scarface with the song that ultimately became one of the best songs from the movie which is called push it to the limit
um, is from Paul Engelman, um, which is kind of funny because he's written a couple of other um, songs for different movies. He wrote one for Dan Aykroyd's uh, my uh, uh, what is it? My my stepmom's an alien. Um, it was it was that movie, which yeah, that's crazy. That I can't even remember that one. Kim um, Basinger. Yeah, man, crazy. Dan Aykroyd, lucky. Um, but yeah, push it to the limit is one of those quintessential songs. It's motivational. It's getting you hyped. It's nothing but '80s synth scenes, and um, it drove everything home. And it's like you can see somebody using it for an aerobic class. You can see somebody using it for a bodybuilding situation. You see somebody using it whether you know drinking three eggs in the morning and going out for a ten mile run, or if somebody is putting a, like ten keys of coke in the back of their car and and running across uh, the nation trying to get rid of that shit. So um, this to me was like one of the best montages in the movie because you know it shows you just how quick and easily somebody can come up with success in this nation, but it. Towards the end of that movie, it shows you how quick and easy you can actually lose it all if you're not careful about what you're doing and how you're doing it. So, telling all you kids, don't do drugs. Also, telling all you kids, don't sell drugs. And if you do sell drugs, I want a 20% cut because you probably got the idea from here. Just saying it. Outside of that, what do y'all think about the song itself? So, okay, you guys ready for another shock? No, not really. I know what you're going to say. I've never seen Scarface. <laughs> I've never seen Scarface. <laughs> now, this one I can take. Yeah. This one I, I completely I understand. It. I do believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds, no, but Scarface. I mean, I okay, think yeah. In, yeah. I think you're in Revenge of the Nerds, Taj. Like, you must have had a time machine or something. But, uh, I'm saying. Yeah, for... <laughs> he, was who, an who ex, he was an yeah. extra in the frat. And Revenge yeah. of the Nerds. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Al Pacino uh, playing Tony Montana. Uh, all yeah. I have in this world are my balls and my word. <laughs> you, you, I'm not going to force you to see this one, Taj, but it would be good if you did. Um, so, so Taj Shay, I've never seen Scarface. I've never seen Scarface. What? <laughs> 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 I, I did like the song though. The, the song was good, and, and I did watch the the montage scene um, with it. And you're like, yeah, that song, and yeah, it totally sets up. Especially the whole like going to the bank, and the banker's like, okay, yeah, I'll take a couple bags of cash. And then later on, he's like, he was just watching like the bags of cash coming through, and the banker's like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> like, you know, he's like, once you start doing business, you're you're in. You know, you can't get out. So, but yeah, yeah, man, it's uh, it's definitely one of those things where he thought, okay, you know, I, I'll I'll let you open this up, we'll be all right, and then now all you see is these bags of cash being brought in by armed dudes, and it's like, uh, you can't do that in public, right? Wait, and, and and the other thing was, it, you can tell that it's a really good montage because like. It, it, without having seen the movie, I can kind of already tell that like something's going on with. Um, it, it, I'm not sure if it's his brother. It's whoever the best man was, because like the best man is kind of looking at his wife before they got married, and then afterwards he's looking Wait. at the at the the. Um, okay, let, let, let me let me clear that up for you. Um, that best man is his best friend. 
Okay. They, they came up in the slums together. He's looking at his sister. That is Tony Montana's sister. That is the one thing that is off limits. You can mess with any other female in the world, but don't mess with my little sister. And that's where that little eye contact thing was. I just wanted to clear that up for you so you won't go forward thinking a different direction of the situation. Or, or and hear me out, you can just watch Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, see how you didn't answer that? Yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Family night. <laughs> oh, I can see the kids coming in. Hey, hey Doc. Hey Doc, you're a hoss. You're a hoss. That's a pick that don't fly straight. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. All right. What what do y'all think about the the, the song itself? Uh so you know, I, I haven't seen Scarface in forever. I'm going to be honest. I, I'm not, I've not always been the biggest fan of the film. I feel like I need to revisit it. I'm a big fan of the director, Brian De Palma, but <laughs> Scarface, I just couldn't get behind, but I, I might need to rewatch it again. I haven't seen it since college. Um, but definitely rewatching that clip. I'm like, Oh shit. I do need to watch Scarface because that scene was incredible. Uh, because it's, it's like the perfect 80s montage. And how much time does it elapse in that damn montage? Like, it's got to be like, it feels like years. Because it starts mm-hmm. with like, oh, we're married and we love each other. And then at the end, I'm like, our marriage is dissolved and we hate one another. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, no, uh, the song itself is great. It is total 80s, cheesy montage music like when i hear that song i feel like trey parker and matt stone when they did team america and they created that montage song they had that specific song in their head when they created that montage song for team america you know like it's the quintessential montage song and um it's perfect you know and and after revisiting it because i haven't heard it in a long time probably since i saw scarface or I think it was used in Ted 2 as well, or Ted or Ted 2, mm. the movie. Um, yep. I could def- I definitely want to put that song in like a workout playlist because it's, it's just like that with You're the Best would be a great double, double, like double, uh, future song choice. So yeah, good song. And I, I feel like I need to revisit Scarface and I would totally make you watch Scarface if you, uh, if you lived here, Taj. I'd, I'd force yeah. you to watch it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Also, it's in, uh, in uh, used as the the intro for a podcast out now called uh, uh, Fresh and Fit. Which, um, if you haven't seen Fresh and Fit, go watch that. It's it's red pill comedy at its best. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's it's definitely one of those songs that you can't get away from, and it drives you to to be better. Um, it's also been sampled by a couple of rap artists, Rick Ross, and a couple of other folks. Um, but, but for the most part, you hear the original song, you get all those original eighties motivational vibes from it. So it's all to the good. Damon, what do you think? Well, I, of course, like it because it was partially produced by Giorgio Marauder. <laughs> so we're going back to the disco days when they were doing coke and everybody had tigers in the backyard and, you know, whatever helicopters. But yeah, that's, that is a fucking montage. <laughs> that is 
like it's almost like the montage of montages, but it it's it's sort of like yeah, okay, I can see where it's just like oh my god, when does it end? It is kind of like Team America, Brandon. I love I love that like how Trey Parker, Matt Stone, um, have the song that's called isn't it like it's just about montages? It's a fucking montage. Yeah, the song is called Montage from Team America. Yeah, so it's like, and I like the first thing I thought of too. It's funny you said that because that's what I thought of when you when we were discussing what our theme was going to be for this episode. I immediately went to that. I, maybe I, I saw it recently too. Um, I, I just like to every once in a while go back to Trey Parker and Matt Stone stuff, other than South Park. But yeah, that's that is a it's it's a great montage actually. It's it's really it's really done well, but it also is like. Holy shit! This this music is it's like so montagey. It doesn't fit with this movie. <laughs> so the scenes are kind of like they're a little too serious with this like kind of playful, funny. You know, we're gonna have a good time. It's like it, to me, it's like it's like um, buddy music. You know, like this the 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 song doesn't quite fit what's going on, but I love it. I love the montage music. I love I love the feel of it. And I don't know if I love it because I just love cheesy shit. <laughs> but yeah, Scarface the movie is something completely different. So fun. Awesome. I saw it. I forced myself to watch it because everybody kept telling me you got to watch this. I think that was like 20 years ago. I'm gonna have to, We're going to have to do a movie night, Brandon. Right. And then uh, yeah. you're going to have to simulcast in and we're going to watch Revenge of the Nerds, Scarface. But but not Iron Eagle. Hell no! <laughs> I think I'll have to watch it on my own. I got to go back to Iron Eagle too, but and not Iron Eagle too, but Iron Eagle as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a great sequel name for an Iron Eagle movie. Iron Eagle as well. As well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like your, I like Dietrich's, you know, his um, impersonation of uh, uh, what's the guy? What's the Tony Montana? Tony Montana. Uh, Montana? Tony Montana. Tony Montana. Oh, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> you fucking spot on right there, man. <sighs> I love it. So, yeah. That's my take on that. All good. All right. So, now's the time. I think everybody's good. We're going to flip it over to side B. So, Taj, go ahead and flip that record, man. Okay. And I dropped the needle. Boom. Needle dropped. All right. So, um, Brandon. <laughs> What's up? Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just dandy. All right. <laughs> so, why don't you, uh, you know, kind of fill us in on our homework that what we had last week and what we had to listen to? Um, I would, I'd be glad to. Uh, I'm very excited to talk a little bit about this band. Uh, and about this album. Um, so, homework from last week, and this is the album that we're going to be talking about during Side B, is an album from 1969, and it is from the band Fairport Convention. The album is called Legion Leaf. Um, so, Fairport Convention is a British folk rock band. They were formed in 1967. Uh, they were formed by four different friends. Primarily the main, the main artists, musicians were Richard Thompson, Simon Nicole, and Ashley Hutchins. Uh, 
there was a drummer that also was part of the band, but he quit after one gig and he was replaced. Uh, and he was replaced by, uh, Martin Lamble. So anyway, um, yeah, they were formed in 1967 and they were heavily influenced by American folk music when they started the band. Um, their first album came out. It was a self-titled album. It also featured two different vocalists. Um, but after the first album, the two vocalists actually pretty much left the band. Um, one of the vocalists, her name was, uh, Judy Dibble. Um, I think I'm saying it right, right. But after the first album, she left the band and she was replaced by a, another a singer songwriter and her name was Sandy Denny. And when Sandy Denny took over, that's when Fairport Convention clicked. Um, Fairport Convention, like I said, was a British folk rock band. They are the quintessential British folk rock band. So what basically happened was that Sandy Denny joined the group and the group started leaning heavily into British music, like especially uh, traditional British music. Um, What's crazy is that in 1969, they released three albums, all with Sandy Denny. In, in one year, they released three albums. They released uh, the album What We Do on Our Holidays. They released Unhalf Bricking. And then they released Legion Leaf. Um, so you had Sandy Denny join the group. Sandy Denny is one of the greatest female vocalists, singers, songwriters in British music of all time. And you can argue and fight me with it, but there, this is fact. And uh, if you listen to her voice, her voice was incredible. And she elevated Fairport Convention. Um, they were shortly joined by a fiddler named Dave uh, Swarbrick. And that's when they really started adding like a rock beat to their, their British folk music. Um, so, yeah, the first two albums come out. And again, that's what we do on our holidays and on half bricking. And then tragedy struck the band. There was a car accident. And in the accident, the drummer died. And that was Martin Lamble. Martin Lamble was only 19 years old when he died. And also Richard Thompson's girlfriend died as well. He was the guitarist, one of the founding members, founding members of the band. And. The band was definitely in turmoil and they thought about quitting. They thought, let's just, you know, hang it up and we're done. But they decided to go on and they actually pretty much just stopped doing what they were doing, the music that they were doing, and they started looking for something else. So what happened was they ended up renting out this house and they, as they were recuperating in this house, they started coming up with music. And that music actually ended up leading to the album that we're discussing right now, Legion Leaf. So at this point now, they have basically five members of the band. You have Richard Thompson and you have Simon Nicole. You have Sandy Denny, the vocalist. You have Ashley Hutchins and you have Martin Lamble, the, or not Martin Lamble, Martin Lamble died. They actually have a new drummer and his name is Dave Maddox. And then, the Fiddler actually becomes a full-time band member of Fairport Convention by this point. So you have these five people who are in this house coming together, creating this new music, and this is where they really start to 
to integrate British folk music into rock and roll. And that leads to Legion Leaf. What's great about Legion Leaf, it is nine songs all together. Six of them are traditional, traditional tracks. Two of them are epic songs. Like I'm talking like seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes long. They are traditional tracks. Uh, there were four that were traditional tunes, but they were arranged and kind of sped up a little bit, like a medley of four traditional tracks or uh, traditional uh, songs that were arranged uh, with Swore Bricks as, as fiddle. And then they had three original compositions. That was uh, Tan Tim. Uh, that was um, Come All Ye. Or not, sorry, Tam Tim. That was traditional. Uh, Come All Ye, Farewell, Farewell, and Crazy Man Michael. These and the last two, Farewell, Farewell, and Crazy Man Michael, were written by Richard Thompson. Um, they started using electrical instruments, and you had Maddox, uh, Maddox drumming, and you had Swarbrick's fiddle, and this just combined that that British sound with that rock with rock and roll, and just created this this brand new sound. And these were like the basically like the, this was the founding band of British folk rock. And uh, before that, you'd never really seen anything like that before uh, from from England. Um, and definitely a lot of people, you know, jumped on that and you started hearing a lot more British folk rock. But I don't think there was anything better than Fairport Convention and especially this album. Um, I know I've said a lot. I'll, I'll stop very soon. Um, the band started the band started dispersing after 1969. Sandy Denny left. Sandy Denny went on to create her own band, which was Father and Gay. Um, you know, she was a solo artist as well. Um, again, like I said, I think she's one of the greatest singer songwriters uh, from England of all time. She tragically died in 1978. Uh, the other big name that came out of Fairport Convention is with Richard uh, was Richard Thompson. Uh, Richard Thompson became an obsession of mine in the last couple of years. I don't know why, but I decided to go down this like rabbit hole about British folk rock in the last two years. It stemmed from one band. And then I heard this one song by Richard Thompson and Linda Thompson from, uh, from an album. And then it just took off from there. And I've become obsessed with uh, British folk rock ever since, but Fairport, Fairport convention is where it started. Uh, it's an incredible album. Um, every track I think is phenomenal. It's, it's a very unique album. Uh, this is a very inspiration or not inspirational. It's a, a very influential album that went on to span so many bands. Many of these artists went on to create their own bands or became solo artists in their own rights. Uh, but they, they inspired so many people. Um, it, it just great musicians, great songwriters, great singers. Um, if I had to pick my favorite track, it is very tough for me. I, I love this album. Um, but I would probably have to go, it would either be Maddie Groves or Kamal Yi. Um, those would probably be my two favorite, favorite tracks from the album. But I think the whole album is incredible. I know this is a complete departure from a lot of the stuff that we listened to, but this is an album that definitely was very influential and, uh, it may not seem like it from a 2022, um, perspective, but in 1969, this was something that, that, uh, people had not seen before. And I, 
I think it's incredible. It's, it's it's amazing to me that there was a there a tragedy led to something so unique that went on to create something else entirely. And uh, Fairport Convention, man, Legion Leaf, great album. Okay. So, uh, do <laughs> um, I, I liked it. Okay, so let me say, I liked it. It it is okay. It, what's interesting about it, and, and I know it seems weird to say this, but it's, it's like listening to music from another culture, okay? Um, it, because it is a different culture, and I know that seems weird to say, but, you know, as Americans, you know? Well, it's a British culture, which is a big influence on, like, the Beatles, you know what I mean? That No, I get, I get what you mean, though. It's like an invasion, right? Well, no, 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 not, not even that, because, it, okay, so let me, first of all, kind of okay. start with what it kind of reminded me of and and I can tell the difference. Okay. So what it reminded me of was the Chieftains. Which the Chieftains were and I just looked it up that the Celtic were, band, right? Right. They were around the same time as as Foxport Convention. So um Fairport it, it, Convention? Uh, you said Foxport. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure we're talking about the same band. Maybe there was a Foxport. Okay. Cool. Sorry. So it but yeah they they're they're very much like uh, around the same time. Um, it's you know I did like it. It's what's interesting. I, I guess here's what I'm trying to say. I should like it more. And what's interesting is it's one of those things where it does the music itself. You have to slow down in order to enjoy and listen to it because if you try and just listen to it <laughs> like with pop music, like it's not going to work. Like it it, it is. A purpose, purposeful listen um, that that is supposed to be slower. Like your your life is supposed to be slower. You're supposed to take it slower to listen to the to the songs. Um, and, and so you know that that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. The the other thing is, it, I'm not sure where it is, but like nowadays when I hear something like this, like I expect it to be used either in the Renaissance Fair or uh, space travel. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm, yeah, that's like two totally different <laughs> Renaissance fairs and space travel. Yeah, I yeah. guess that would be like a really cool combo. Yeah, we're space travel. But yeah, so it, okay, so for my pick, it, it's either the medley for sure or it's the quiet joys of brotherhood. And, and partially why the quiet joys of brotherhood is it reminds me of the chieftains um, and, and the soundtrack for the, the gray fox. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I liked it. I'll probably be honest; I'll never listen to it again. But I did like it. But it's 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 one of those things where it's it's something good to listen to, and and I can see why uh, why it is so popular and why it's so good. And you can tell that there are parts of it that you can tell are English that aren't Irish. It's it's so just just really quick. That song is not on the album Brotherhood. I don't. That's not from the album. Well, it was on the one I was listening to. Is the seventh track was i only split the dude or it was the ninth track sorry there's nine nine tracks but that song's not on their last song on the album is crazy man michael mm. there's oh okay crazy but man anyway michael really no, quiet quiet joy of brotherhood was not originally on legion leave but uh, that's what? on the deluxe edition uh you know what no it's funny it doesn't say deluxe i i actually might have been looking at the deluxe uh version but I'm that's sure okay. That no, I, it's that's okay. I'm just right. I'm just letting you guys know that that wasn't originally on the uh, on the album. Okay. Get them, Brandon. I just want to let you know. Like <laughs> I did specify I, when I, I let you guys know. 
Yeah, yeah. I, it doesn't say uh, so on on Pandora. I, I know we use Spotify for our stuff, but like Pandora doesn't have um, it doesn't have the definition so, of what you know what version of the album is. So. Okay. Well, so then, so then I, I probably would be it be between either the, the Ray and Dine or the Tim and Lee would be the the next ones. So. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So basically what you said, Taj, is kind of some of that what I got when I listened to it at first. My first listen through, I was like wanting to hit the skip button to move to the next song because I just couldn't get into the feel of it. Then I adjusted my mindset and then I got back into it. This feels like if you went to Middle Earth and gave them electric electronic instruments that's what this feels like it feels like a a folklore lord of the rings type 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 element to it with electronic sounds in the background and and, and electric great. guitars and the whole nine and i totally dig that scene reason being is because they they went into a lane and kind of created a lane out of it and and it flows and it works um it's definitely one that's an acquired taste off a of first listen because you don't know you don't know or don't expect what you're going to get out of it. Each song is separate amongst themselves, while the instrumentation may be the same. The way that they use the the their instrumentation and the way that they they create the melodies for each song is offset. It's offbeat, but it works um, for the ones that are like generally folk. Um, sounding, um, they still have their own twang to it, and, and it sounds good, and it's nice. So, all in all, I'm I'm not mad at it at all. I think for me, uh, the the lead vocalist, the one that you were talking about, Brandon, she killed like her sound. Yeah. You really can't duplicate that in no. that tone, and it was like, wow, that that kind of that kind of worked. Um, for me, uh, but the funniest thing is my favorite track on the whole album is the medley "Lark of the Morning." <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the most upbeat to me. It was it was the most catchiest. It was it was something that my ear was just drawn to, and I couldn't get away from it. So I'm I'm all the way there. Um, and yeah, it was definitely a shot from left field, but it was a good one. It, it definitely hit the mark. So I like it. Yes. So yeah, like I. <laughs> Thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, buddy. Your favorite pick, C Trick, right? So yeah. that, that brings me to like you said. I think you said that it uh, was kind of like a Lord of the Rings esque, sort of like a maybe like a Hobbit town. I, I I can almost see something like this being like in Titanic, you know, the bottom of the ship where they're just having fun, right? That yes. that is a great song. What really drew me to this uh, this band, and I think so, Taj, you mentioned what was the band, the Irish band that you had mentioned again? The Chieftains. The, the Chieftains. Chieftains. Yep. The Chieftains are really cool. I remember learning about them like in high school or something like that. I, I had a I was on this big like Renaissance fair like Irish music, Celtic music kick for a while. And I still like Celtic music, but I, I kind of like drifted away from it, right? And then I I also go to like these like like po- is it, it I don't know Brandon. The Pogues are they post punk? I would say so, but I I don't want to like speak out of turn. I'm not 100 percent right, right. sure. But I kind of get a little bit of that. Like they must have had an influence from a band like this. That it, this 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 was like a great revelation when I was listening to the music. I was playing it for Rob and my wife, and we were like, "Oh wow, this is a 
this is interesting because we've never really heard of it. I thought of Jefferson Airplane right away. You and know, it's funny. Funny that wow. you say that. Wow. No, yes. What, what is? And then funny I found is, out, you know, Grace Slick like was like kind of like an influence for the you know the vocalist, which she so she passed away, right? Their Fairport conventions. Uh, is it Sandy Denny? Was she Sandy the original? Denny. Sandy Denny was vocalist on three albums. All of them came out in '69. Right. What's interesting too is that Fairport Convention was known as the British Jefferson Airplane when they first started. That fucking made me so happy to hear because I was like, I hear Jefferson Airplane in Tam Lynn, right? That's kind of like they have that like I don't know if you've heard we've all heard White Rabbit. Like that I love that fucking song. But Jefferson Jefferson Airplane turned into Jefferson Starship, I believe. They kind of changed yeah. their they changed their their tone a little bit. Yeah, that's they why I sort of, listening. Right. I mean, it's a different, but I love, you know what? I love Jefferson Starship, too. I almost picked a song for uh, a montage from that band, but I wasn't sure if it would fit. Um, I hope they'll go back to them. I will. We have we have time, right? Yeah. So we have all the time in the world. But, um, man, this, this, this band... I thought I was going to like, just be like, Oh, boo. Like, Oh, they're like, they look like a Renaissance festival, right? Like they actually, I love the artwork. I love the album cover, the cover artwork. And Brandon shared with us a little bit, like the inside cover, you know, for the, um, or the inside artwork and the, or the imagery for the uh, record, which, you know, if you, if you don't fans, you know, fans of like music, if you, and you know, our listeners, if you don't, uh, have a record player even to go to a like a music shop and check out cover artwork and stuff like that on records if you're not going to buy it just just go check it out and just like see what it's all about there's so much more i think into that the artist puts like their heart into it right they kind of like have a message there and i think they did it really well with their um fairport convention did a really good job with their their album cover artwork or the photos and it, it, it looks like kind of like a 70s sort of like late 70s dream right like 60s or 70s but it's really cool i dug i dug that i dug the album i think i was like i just thought i was gonna not like it at first because i didn't know anything about fairport convention i sort of thought i heard of them before um and i i kind of mentioned the british invasion like that's like that's sort of like a thing that happened right I don't know if they were necessarily a part of that with the Beatles. We're talking the same era, but they, they wanted a piece of the pie and they, they were probably heavily influenced by Jefferson airplane, but they also have their, like their other, you know, their other influences and then they have their own style. But man, this, this, this band is definitely something uh, that you should check out. I mean, I, I really appreciate you bringing this to the, to the show. Uh, Brandon, this is definitely something that kind of gives perspective on older music and maybe influence on stuff that we've heard throughout the 80s, the 90s today. I mean, you got like, you have bands like, um, uh, with the lead singer, uh, Dolores O'Riordan, um, with the, you know, the Cranberries. That was a 90s band, you know, and God rest her soul, right? I'm not religious, but, uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot of influence on, and I mentioned the Pogues, and I mean this 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 carries on, right? They're not just a '60s British band that went away; they didn't just vanish. They right. they made they helped make music today, and that's that's fucking awesome. 
<laughs> so don't just listen to what's new because what's new is because of what's old. I mean, that's and that's really what I got out of this, man. So thanks, Brandon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, man, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And Fairport Convention, they were from originally from 1967 to, I think, whoa, what would I say, 1979? That was, like, the original, like, iteration of it. And they had so many lineups. And then they reformed back in 1985. Um, and, and, like, some of the biggest artists, like, you know, uh, Sandy Denny, she left after 69. Tragic Death in 78. Richard Thompson, they recorded one more album with him and he left. And then he formed a, a he did a solo album called um, Human Fly. And then he formed a, a group with his wife and they did like four albums. And then Richard Thompson went solo. And if it will probably become uh, some I'll probably end up doing some solo Richard Thompson. But I mean, so many of these artists were just, you know, they continued to to uh, evolve and and influence. And they're just incredible. Um, actually, Richard Thompson did a great Austin City Limits, um, and by himself with, uh, with a couple guys, acoustic guitar. I mean, he was solo artist at that point, but check it out. It's, it's phenomenal. I love that we have that in our city too. I mean, Austin City Limits really does spot like a lot of really cool stuff. I'm glad to be a part of a city that has all that to offer. The so-called live music capital of the world, but, uh, no, that's great. So there's like five members, right? Currently, this band's still going. They're still going. I mean, there's. I don't think there's really anybody left at this point, unless maybe right. uh, there might be somebody, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I mean, all the original members are pretty much not part of that band anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, like like I said, like I I just went down this rabbit hole, and uh, and I I feel more enriched for it, and. Yeah, like I continue to like what's great about British folk rock is I continue to discover new bands and uh and they're hard to come by. Like they're not easy to find. Like even even some big artists like Richard Thompson, go finding his first debut album, solo album was not easy. I found it and I found it, you know, on vinyl and CD, but you know, it's it's hard to like find these bands and there were so many so many British folk rock bands in the late sixties and seventies. And, and all of it, right. in my opinion and many, many people's opinions all stems from Fairport convention, you know, <laughs> I, not, I not, not to say that folk British folk music didn't exist like the chieftains, though they were Celtic, you know, there were of course British folk, but British folk rock didn't really come into existence until Fairport Convention. Yeah. Right. And I just want to circle back and, and there was kind of two things two, two last points I, I wanted to make was that one is you can, what's interesting about it is you can hear the folk part but they're also kind of a jam band when you listen to the album because there's parts Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like 1970s Full House. You can you can definitely hear it. What what I What I think is interesting too is like this is a band that was heavily influenced by American folk music, right? American folk rock. And what they ended up doing was creating their own thing. And that was something at home, British folk rock. It's no longer American. It's now British folk rock. Right. I think that that's amazing. Yeah. It, and the, the second thing I want to circle back to is because we had talked about this a while back, Brandon, where 
I talked about how, you know, um, reading the, the lyrics, um, it, the part of why I was saying that, that this was, makes you be slower is because it, I can tell you right now, like, just cause I had listened to it several times. I still had a hard time following the lyrics unless mm. I was actually reading them. And that, and, and that's me. I'm not saying that that's the music, but that's what I'm saying. This is one of those things where, like, either you have to really slow down and listen to it, and memorize it, or you have to read the lyrics. And, and, and so that, that was something that, you know, I do want to appreciate because it, it does force you to, to slow down. So, yeah. And, and I feel like on the album, there's some, uh, there's some jams on there, but I, your opinion, your, your taste for a jam and my taste for a jam might be a little different. Like I hear <laughs> come all ye and I'm like, yeah. All right, you know, or Maddie Groves. I'm like, this is my jam. So, you know, Maddie very Gross different. So, I, did, I don't know. Did I say my favorite band? Maddie Groves? No, yeah. So, Maddie Groves was my, that's my pick. Nice. Uh, and then Lynn, or Tam Lynn, that's my second favorite because it, like I said, it brings me to the Jefferson uh, airplane. But, um, yeah, Maddie Groves has, like, I, I get an Almond Brothers vibe. You know, it's got that kind of, like, which, you know, they, they've, they just, they're awesome too. I mean, everybody might, at this time, like, they're all doing their thing, right? So they might have all been influencing each other in some way, but just, uh, everybody wanted a piece of that pie. Like, everybody that, that was part of that British invasion, they wanted a piece of that pie. They wanted to come to top the charts in America, and that's where it's at. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I, I don't know, Dietrich, what do you think about that as far as like the 60s and 70s bands? making it big like we had an episode already about bands different different era of course but bands making it big in america that were you know british bands that sort of thing um i think at the time compared to like the 90s compared to the 60s you know what i mean right i think you know time is always going to be parallel and in in the way the trends come up and come back around and 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 it seems like you know you're never going to see that type of situation again and then like 10 20 years later you see that type of flow that comes out so that's that's inevitable but i think from everything that we've said here about this particular band um yeah it, it definitely i would put them in the british invasion because um you know they were coming over with the sound that wasn't too popular at the time um it was it was you know we had american folk but american folk was more so um just focused on the acoustics and 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 getting the harmonies corrected and what was coming across whereas they took it added a rock tempo to it added a, a flip to the to the actual drum beat added an electric guitar and all of a sudden now you have a different sound and and that different sound that came out of it was um, you know, you could say it was later Beatlesque, um, for what, where they were going with like Sergeant Pepper and, and a couple of other places that they were trying to swing to. Uh, definitely, uh, Jefferson Airplane. You can hear that, that tone and that type of switch, uh, switch beat figure, uh, that came out of that situation. Um, like the, the singing itself. Was, was definitely lyrics that you had to pay attention to, like Taj was, was, uh, talking about uh, a little while ago. So, I mean, in all, in all honesty, the average listener, somebody who's going to listen to this album needs to understand music and needs to understand how it, how it flows. 
And it, there is no rule book that says that it has to be two, four time. There is no rule book that says that you have to sing lyrics a certain way. You just come across whatever feels good to you. And if you have an open mindset when you're listening to this album, you're going to love it. And if you don't have an open mindset, you're going to shut it off and try to listen to something else. And that's where I think a lot of people lose, um, lose out on music in general. And I love the yeah. fact that there's so much diversity when it comes to sound and, and, and sound manipulation, especially back then. Like now we could just click a button on a computer and we can make another different sound altogether based off of a, a, a phonic that, you know, was uploaded into a system. They actually had to create that sound back then. They actually right. had to twist the different knobs and the synthesizers and the and the, and the whole nine. And these were instruments that were, were mostly analog and that did not have or weren't supposed to be used in that faction. So the fact that they were able to pull that out, kudos to them. I love it because nobody else was doing it at the time in that fashion. Yeah. And That's probably why they had such a big ensemble too. They had like, what What did they have, Brandon? Over 13 members or something like that? No, no. They, they had no. five Five. So five, it was always six. five. Okay. Mostly, yeah. Sometimes, so pretty big, sometimes yeah, seven. But yeah. and 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 one thing I think would be really great: go on to YouTube and watch. Just watch Sandy Denny. Just watch yeah, her by herself. Yeah. Just incredible. No, no equipment. Just raw vocals. That that's what what was really like sticking out in my head was the production because at first I was thinking, okay. I'm, I'm listening for the cuts. I'm listening for, um, the different tweaks that came in, um, for, for how they actually sound. And I know now it's, it's a whole lot different because it's digitized, right? That's how I was listening to it. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a cleaner version of what came out back then, but yeah. I was so much more rather listen to the analog version or listen to the actual yeah. record version because I'm getting in all those fillers that are supposed to be oh, there. Man. And that, that would like add to a whole nother layer of what the music was coming out yeah. as. And that's what I want. Yeah. And I, I, I do have it on vinyl and I, I will say like, you can argue if it sounds different or not. It does. It sounds incredible on vinyl. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, thank you guys for uh indulging me i know it was something definitely different from previous uh choices that we've had but uh i just really wanted to introduce you to something that i felt that you may have never heard in your life but something that became really important and meaningful meaningful for me in the last couple of years and really helped me get through some stuff so all right cool cool yes sir so uh, appreciate it man do you have some homework for us Hell no. No, I'm playing. <laughs> okay. And Homework. That, let's pick up that needle. <laughs> yeah. How do I follow after that, man? Come on. Um, yeah, I got homework for you. It's, it might be a stretch of what you have been used to from me. Um, just know that there's a reason for it. So my homework is actually, it's an album, but it's not an album. It's, it's an original soundtrack. Okay. And it's from the movie that came out in 1976. Oh, uh, Scott Mayo and, um, oh, what's her name? It literally slipped out of my, out of my head. Um, but the, the, I'll just give it an album and then we just go from there. Um, the album is Bugsy Malone by Paul Williams, 1976. <laughs> I love this movie. 
<laughs> yeah, I love the movie too. I'm all about it. So I want to try to go back and listen to the soundtrack. And I, uh, <laughs> I have this on Blu-ray, and uh, I listen to the soundtrack all the time. So we already in good 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 spirits. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I already I already know my favorite track. So we're all good, man. Love it. Yeah. Love yeah, it. So what are we looking at? Bugsy Malone. Bugsy Malone. Jodie Foster. That's okay. what it was. It literally came to my head. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah At first, when you one. said Scott, when you said a year and Scott Bayo, I'm like, is he? Is he? And then you said, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, dude, it's funny because one of my choice albums might be a Paul Williams soundtrack as well. Man, I love Paul Williams, bro. I, have, I you love- seen, have you seen the documentary about Paul Williams? Paul Williams still alive? I have not seen the documentary. That's uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess yes, I, can, I can't wait to discuss this this uh, album and the movie, man. Oh, there's a there's a little you know what is it six degrees of separation? That Chris Bayo from Vampire Weekend is actually cousins with Scott Bayo. Nice. I got, to, I, got to hang, I got to hang with Chris a little bit. He's a DJ on the side as well as being part of you know the basis for Vampire Weekend. But that's a, that that's gonna be a fun one, man. Yeah. And if you heard yeah. clapping or you're wondering what that was, that was me clapping when he you got yeah, really introduced that album. Oh. Brandon's going to so, have a lot to say. Oh, dude, I, I love, yeah, I love this. Uh, my wife loves it. And, uh, I grew up watching this movie. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Several times over. Anytime I could catch it before it was VHS or anything, you know, if it happened to come on TV, I was on it. I was, I'd stop everything and watch it. And yeah, I went back and grabbed it on Blu-ray as well. So that's, yeah. uh, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's one of my all-time faves. Nice. So I had to put that out there. So for our, said- our listeners too, it just Bugsy is B-U-G-Z-Y, right? B-U-G-S-Y. S-Y? Okay. Yes. I'll make sure. I should yeah. be like, I get it. Right. Oh, never heard of it before. <laughs> <laughs> I should be like clapping, like "Oh my god, oh my god!" I'm like, "Have you heard it?" No, I've not. Dude, <laughs> dude, that's yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I, I think uh, I think y'all gotta get a kick out of this. Have an open mind to it. Tell me yes. what you think about have it. Have an open you, mind, and if you can yeah. watch the movie, watch the movie before the episode. Okay. This is definitely one that you can watch with the kids, Taj. It's it's a yes. goodie. It's definitely it's a goodie. Great. Man, I might have to break out my Blu-ray and watch it before the episode. Man, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. All right. So, other than that, um, we're going to pick up the needle at this point. But uh, before we do so, uh, I just want to tell y'all, thank y'all so much for listening to us, for, for sticking with us. And uh, hopefully we, we got some good content for y'all coming up and, and more to come. So... Um, with that being said, we're going to pick up. Uh, yeah, I'm Dietrich. I'm Brandon. I'm Damon. And I'm Taj. Montage. No, Montage. Oh, yeah. I'm Taj. I'm Montage. Who's Taj? Come on. Come on, Taj. <laughs> uh, we're going to pick up the needle, but y'all keep spinning those choice tracks. See ya.